0: I'd like for us to take God's Word and go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. And we come to uh, verse number 25 this evening. And uh, it has been somewhat of a tedious trip through 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, We took for our title as we began uh, looking at chapter number 7, Questions Concerning Marriage. And uh, we understand that Uh, There were many misconceptions about the institution of marriage, uh, and uh, Paul addressed that confusion in verse number one when he said, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. Uh, They obviously had written him concerning their confusion about the institution of marriage and concerning some of the. Teaching that had been introduced into the church uh, by false teachers uh, who taught that any physical intimate relationship between a man and a woman was a sinful relationship, even if people were married. On the other hand, there were those who taught that any desired relationship, whether it be uh, between a man and a woman who were married or between Uh, Men and women who were unmarried, uh, no matter what the case may be, it was permissible. Uh, Both extremes were false, and the Apostle Paul gave clarity uh, concerning that. In verse number six, he gave counsel concerning uh, these questions of marriage Uh, Look, if you would please in verse six, but this I speak by permission and not of commandment for I would that all men were even as myself. Paul was unmarried, but every man hath his proper gift one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I, but if they cannot contain, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn. So the Apostle Paul gives counsel toward those who are unmarried, advising them that if it's possible, if they possess the gift of being single, to remain so, and if not, to marry. Uh, Then in verses 10 through 16, he gives us several considerations. Questions are asked. Uh, Let me just repeat those questions that we reviewed. Number one, should believers divorce their spouses? And uh, there were those who taught that because it is sinful uh, to enter into an intimate relationship uh, as believers, you should just divorce your spouses. There were those who taught that although it was not sinful to be involved in an intimate relationship, uh, it was wrong to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So if you were married as a Christian now to an unbeliever, that you should divorce. And the Apostle Paul addressed that question and said, no, uh, you should not divorce. Then he said, the second question was, should believers continue in their marriage to an unbeliever? That was a specific question, and the answer was yes, unless the unbelieving spouse departs. And then the third question, how should believers respond when unbelieving spouses depart from them? So we addressed those questions, and uh, then... Uh, We noted uh, just a few weeks ago that we are to walk in our calling, to abide in the calling that God has called us to. Uh, We noted that God is sovereign in our circumstances. Uh, We noted, secondly, that we are to be content in those circumstances and that in Christ we are able to live above those circumstances. And then finally, Paul reminds us in verse 23 that we are the purchased possession of Christ. Now we come uh, tonight to verse number 25, and hopefully through the end of the chapter. I invite you to read with me as we pick back up on the theme after Paul having uh, spent some time addressing our calling, and of course that applies to those who are married and those who are unmarried. He turns his attention to the question specifically of those who are unmarried, but are planning to marry. And because of the false teaching that had been introduced into the church and the concerns of the people, uh, there was some confusion there. And so we come to verse 25. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Now, earlier we looked at a statement very similar, and we understand that what this means is not that the Lord is not inspiring Paul. Remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What he is referring to here is that concerning the matter that he is going to address, there is no clear command that Christ gave during his earthly life and ministry uh, to answer the question. And so he says in verse 25, Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. In other words, Paul is continuing to give us his counsel. Verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Here he's clearly refuting the false teaching that it is not a sin to be married. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. A a virgin, of course, would have been viewed by those uh, as undefiled. And so uh, these false teachers would teach that if a virgin then were to be married, she would then be defiled. Uh, Verse number uh, 28, we continue, Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. Verse 29, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none and they that weep as though they wept not and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not and they that buy as though they possess not and they that use this world is not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongeth to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin doeth well." So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Now, as we, as we look at this passage, it's our task to try to discern uh, the meaning of these statements that Paul is making. And to do so, we have to transport ourselves into Corinthian culture. Uh, We have to understand the idea of marriage that was prevalent in that day and understand that it was very different uh, culturally from our day. Uh, we understand the temptations of Corinth, and we note that though the ideas of marriage were very different, the temptations of Corinth were not very much different at all. In fact, there were many common temptations that the Corinthian believers face that we also face today concerning immorality and wickedness. We understand that these people, as I mentioned a moment ago, were dealing with false teachers, who were teaching all kinds of ideas saying that if you have a daughter who's unmarried, you should not let her marry. That would be a sin. If you're married to an unbeliever, you should divorce that unbeliever. In fact, if you're married, you probably shouldn't be married at all. These are things that were being taught by false teachers in the Corinthian church. These ideas Uh, We know that we live in a world today that is full of the wrong ideas about marriage. Our children are being taught that anyone can marry anyone regardless of their gender. In fact, gender is something that is now fluid according uh, to those who define it in our culture today. Nevertheless, we understand that God's word does not change. God designed marriage. He ordained it. And he created us male and female. God did not make a mistake when he created us male and female. And to revolt against what God has designed and created is to revolt against God. And so while some of these subjects are not specifically applicable to us in our time, there are many principles that we can learn as we go through. And I pray that God would help us to do so. I want you to imagine a gentleman that you have a daughter and you're in the Corinthian church and she's never been married and she's a pure girl and she is planning to be married and someone in the church has told you that you should not allow your daughter to marry because that would be displeasing to the Lord, that it would literally be sinful Imagine that you're that young lady and you have a desire to please the Lord and now you've been told that if you marry the young man that you love, that you're going to be sinning against God. Imagine you're that young man and you're excited about marrying this young lady, but you've learned that she no longer wants to be married to you because she's afraid that if she does marry you, she's going to be sinning against God. Imagine that situation. Imagine that you are a widow and uh, someone has come along into your life and and you're considering marrying that person. He or she, depending on who you are, is a believer. But you've been told you shouldn't marry that person. These are the dilemmas that they were facing in Corinth. And so they wrote to Paul with questions. And... uh, We pick up this theme on questions concerning marriage. This is part three. And here's the subtitle for the message tonight. Should the unmarried be married? Should the unmarried be married? That's really the question that uh, we are dealing with here. As John Phillips wrote in his commentary, it seems that the main focus of the Corinthians question was whether or not a betrothed young woman should proceed with her plans for marriage or break off the engagement and remain single. Paul's ruling would affect not only the girl herself, but her fiancé and her father or whoever was responsible for the arrangements. So as we move forward with these questions, should the unmarried be married, I want to give you five considerations about marriage. Five considerations about marriage that all unmarried people Uh, should remember these five considerations. Number one, we see first of all the pressures upon those who are married and unmarried. The pressures upon those who are married and unmarried. Notice in verse 25 again, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. He's referring here to the unmarried. And we, we, we learn a powerful truth because God expects that the unmarried are pure in body. The term virgin, we know what that term means. It means that uh, a woman has not been with a man in an intimate relationship or a man has not been with a woman in an intimate relationship. And let me just remind you that uh, the only legitimate physical interaction between a man and a woman is in the boundaries of marriage. And so Paul is writing, saying, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. And although there was no direct command of the Lord on the question, Paul gives his advice, his judgment on the matter. And this advice and judgment is advice and judgment given him by the Holy Ghost. Notice what he says. Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. The word mercy speaks of sympathy, with feelings of another uh, here we find that paul is not just some harsh uh, religious leader who is dealing with the difficult questions of the corinthian church by just saying well here's the rule follow it he's giving them counsel with empathy with sympathy toward their situation john phillips again writes and says paul had been in need of sympathetic understanding himself and a gentle touch from God so he knew how to be tender, especially when handling truth, which might uh, hurt people. There are some times when we give the truth and it's painful. And Paul is sympathetic in giving that truth. And by the way, that would help all of us. You know that? There are a lot of pastors who probably have hurt some people unnecessarily because they've been harsh in their delivery of the truth. Paul is giving them the truth in a sympathetic tone, in empathy. Because these are difficult questions and they affect people's lives. Verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. Note that term, the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. It is good for a man to be unmarried. It is good for a man to be a virgin. Verse 27, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. In other words, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, uh, learn to be content in that. But there was a reason that they were not content in it, and it was because of the present distress. It was because of the pressures upon the unmarried to be married and the pressures upon the married to be unmarried. He speaks of the present distress. Now, that distress, that pressure came from different sources. First of all, it came from within. There's a natural desire within a male or a female uh, to be with a member of the opposite sex, to be united to them in marriage. There's a physical desire. There's an emotional desire. It's It's a desire from within. And there are pressures within. Then there was pressure from an immoral culture a culture that glorified uh, sexual immorality, a culture that taught that any desire of the flesh was to be gratified on demand at any time and with any person. This is a real pressure in the lives of many of our young people who are surrounded by uh, media and technology that feeds those desires an entertainment industry that feeds and fuels those desires. There's pressure, and we need to pray for our young people and pray for those who are unmarried. And by the way, that doesn't leave you after marriage either, as Paul is going to point out. There was a pressure from false teachers. I've mentioned that to you already. And then there was pressure from hostile enemies. In less than a decade, Nero would be the ruler of the Roman Empire. Nero persecuted Christians. It was a dreadful persecution. I won't describe all the horrific ways in which he did them, but they were barbaric to say the least. Many lives would be destroyed by Nero. Many homes would be torn apart. Many children would be destroyed. Many wives would be destroyed. And there are those who believe that Paul perhaps saw this coming and was warning the unmarried that if they married, they would suffer great heartache in the days ahead. So Paul gave his advice, don't marry. But remember, it was only that. It was advice. It was not a divine command. And the breaking of his advice or going against his advice would bring no judgment or penalty into the lives of those who did not heed it. Because it was clearly God's will for many to be married. Look in verse 28. Paul understands this. He says, but, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. There's the, there's the answer to the question. The father who said to the Corinthian leaders, he said, why don't you ask, Paul this question because I'm being told not to let my daughter marry this young man she's very upset about it and he is too and we need to know the truth well he gave it to them thou hast not sinned and if a virgin marries she hath not sinned so the father's not sinned the wife or the the daughter rather who marries is not sinned and then the young man that she marries is not sinned nevertheless such shall have what (coughs) What's the next word there? Such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. Now, again, there are those who believe that this is a warning that Paul is giving concerning the trouble that was ahead for the church at Corinth. In fact, for all New Testament churches under uh, Roman persecution. But I think it also speaks very clearly of the troubles of life because there are those who are single and they believe that if they were to be married, then all their troubles would go away. There are those who are married and they believe that if they were unmarried, (laughs) that all of their troubles would go away. But the truth is marriage does not solve your problems and has the potential to create more. But marriage provides relief and comfort, no doubt about it. It provides support. God designed it to be such. God made a help meet for Adam. And there's no doubt she was a help. But when sin came in, the curse took over. And it impacted their lives and their relationship. And uh, one boy rose up, Cain, and slew the other. There was heartache, there was pain, there was difficulty. And here we are, uh, 6,000 years later, and what are we doing? We are living through that same pain and difficulty because of sin. And so uh, the pressures come, the pressures on those who are unmarried, and the problems that come to those who are married. And so Paul says, before you marry, understand the pressures. Uh, that way you won't be surprised when they come. And we live in a generation of people that at the first sight of trouble, they run. And if our families are going to stay together, they're going to have to learn to endure. The second thing we note here is the passing moments of married life. The passing moments of married life. Look at verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is, what's the next word? Short, verse 29. But this I say, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Paul here is speaking of the brevity of life. And he's saying that while marriage is a good thing, it is a glorious thing, it is something that is ordained of God. It is something that is designed to be lifelong. Remember though, before you marry, that life is short and life is uncertain. Troubles come, problems develop, People get sick. Accidents happen. Remember that life is uncertain and it is brief. Now he gives us some examples to help us consider this. He says, uh, first of all here in verse 29, it remaineth both that they have wives be as though they had none. You see, though our marriage is designed to be permanent, upon this earth in our lives till death do us part, we understand we're only here for a short time, but eternity lasts forever. So our marriage is a passing moment in the scheme of eternity. It's an important moment. Many great things happen, and we're certainly not minimizing that. But for those who do not believe they can live without it, Paul reminds them, It's just a passing moment. So also is sorrow and weeping. Uh, The Bible teaches us that weeping, the psalmist said, may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. There's coming a time when the sorrow and weeping will be over. Then he says, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. There'll be a time when those who celebrate it will no longer have something to celebrate. Why? Because life is ever changing and brief. And they that buy as though they possess not. Why? I worked hard. I I saved my money. I, I wanted to have this. And then you purchase it, and then something happens, and it's gone. Maybe it's stolen. Maybe it's destroyed. It's gone. Nothing in this life is certain and sure. Verse 31, and they that use this world is not abusing for the fashion of this world passeth away. This world is passing. It does not endure. Remember what Solomon wrote. And by the way, remember that Solomon possessed about anything you could ever desire to have on this earth. And what did he say about it? He said, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit." It doesn't bring you contentment. It doesn't bring you happiness. Now you can have contented, wonderful, glorious relationships. But understand this: you can also have the opposite. You can also have the opposite. And so the passing moments of married life, he reminds them of it. Then number three, we see the preoccupation of married people. The preoccupation of married people. Notice it again here in verse number 32 but I would have you without carefulness. In other words, I do not want you to be occupied. I do not want you to be anxious. I I do not want you uh, to, to constantly be concerned here. I want you to live a life that is free of concern and burden. And so he goes on to say, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So if there is a person who is unmarried, in this case, he gives the example of a young man. He's unmarried. He careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. He has no responsibilities toward a wife and a child. Therefore, he can give his energies and his passions wholly to the Lord. Verse 33, but he that is married careth for the things that are the world, how he may please his wife. Now again, this is not a statement condemning marriage. It is just speaking of the fact that when you are married, you have a responsibility to take care of your wife and your children. And that responsibility uh, takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy, it takes passion. Verse 34. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. The same principle here applies to a young woman and to a wife. And and I believe one one of the things that Paul is saying to us is during the time of your singleness, give your energies to the Lord. Don't spend your energies trying to determine when and who you're going to marry. Give your energies to the Lord and rest in Him. And then once you've married, you will give your energies not only to the Lord, but also to your husband and to your family. Verse 35, and I speak this for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. There he is, saying to these unmarried folks, give yourselves to the Lord. And if God leads you to marry, then marry. The preoccupation of married people. Then finally, the permission to marry. The permission to marry. Verse 36, but if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin... If she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Now this, this address in verse 36 is speaking to those fathers uh, whose daughters were unmarried. In fact, many of the fathers uh, in that time would have dedicated, or at least some of them, maybe I shouldn't say many, but there were some who would have dedicated their daughters to a life of service to the Lord. A life that was not entangled with any marital relationship, but a perpetual virginity. Uh, A woman would give herself to the service of the Lord. And there were fathers who would dedicate their daughters to such a service. Girls, wouldn't you like it if your father signed you up for that? Well, there were men in Corinth, again, who were taught things by false teachers that were not true. Remember now, they're living in an age of confusion. Paul is giving them counsel and Paul is giving them clarity. And he's saying, if you've made that commitment, understand that if your daughter wants to marry, it is okay, it is permissible for her to be married. How does he conclude verse 36? Let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. In other words, he's saying to fathers, that's a good desire that you have for your daughter, but if your desire, or if your daughter rather, does not desire the same thing, it is permissible for her to be married. Now go back to the consideration I gave you. Think about the father, who has a daughter that's planning to marry, and now he's been told that that girl, if she marries, is going to be in a state of perpetual sin against God. Well, he doesn't want that to happen, so now he's approaching her considering the possibility that she would not marry this young man imagine their heart uh, their pain of their heart the brokenness of their hearts and now paul has given clarity here and uh, he has freed them from this misconception this these truths or these twisted uh, elements of false teachers against the truth so there's permission to marry it's not a sin to be married There are religious movements over the years that have taught such things, Uh, specifically the Catholic Church and their restriction of priests and nuns. The problem they have with their doctrine is they cannot find an ounce of Bible to back it up. Paul is warning about these false teachings. So then a question comes, not only concerning permission to marry for the unmarried, but permission for the widows. Look in verse 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will. Only in the Lord. So there were those who sought to to break free of their marital relationships. And he said the only ones who are at liberty are those who... Are widows. Now we did find the Lord gave uh, the Lord gave uh, two grounds for biblical divorce. One is in the case of adultery and fornication, and the other is when an unbelieving spouse leaves a believer. God gave space permission for divorce in those cases. But unless those cases occur, there is no freedom. Unless a spouse has died, and note the phrase that is given in verse 39, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will. Only, notice this please, in the Lord. By the way, that applies to all believers. When you marry, you should be married to someone who is in the Lord. Now we've already tackled that subject in this chapter But here's a reminder, verse 40, but she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the spirit of God. So again, Paul reinforces the idea that he is giving advice here and he is speaking concerning uh, the fact that a widow uh, may think that she needs to remarry, but she might find that she'll be happier if she does it. In the midst of the loneliness of of that situation and the heartache and the pain of that, then one must turn to the Lord and find in Him their all in all. However, if God leads and brings someone into your life that honors the Lord and you pray and you seek God and you follow uh, God's will and, and submit to godly counsel, then you are free. To marry. So here we find uh, the conclusion of chapter 7. These questions concerning marriage. And aren't you glad that you have the word of God? Aren't you glad that you have the complete revelation of God? It's available to you. Let me tell you that the Corinthian believers would have very much liked to have had what you and I hold in our hands. And they were dependent upon the Apostle Paul to give them answers to very difficult questions. And what do we learn here? We learn that marriage is an institution ordained by God. It is not one to be taken lightly. We understand that we enter into those marriages and we enter into them to, to bring glory to God Uh, to minister to our spouses, to bring children into the world, to create a family environment where our children can thrive and grow. We understand that it is our purpose to serve God in our family and in our local church. We understand that while we live in a culture that is adverse and contrary to the truths of God's word, we must teach our children what marriage is really all about. Because we find ourselves in, in very unprecedented waters and they find themselves in the midst of confusion. Thanks be unto God that we have clarity in the midst of confusion. So let's live in obedience to God and God's word. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle,